Hey everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Karina Duffy Fitness Podcast. So I suppose there's no point in me introducing the podcast as anything else really um, because I'm not getting sponsored by anyone to do the show. Maybe down the line if I do I might say well welcome to Karina Duffy Podcast sponsored by X, Y and Z. But until then I'm still happy to be putting out podcasts because I love sharing information with you guys that anything that helped has helped me in certain situations that might help you. Um, so today's episode we're talking about health and and how that word is such a complex word and health has such a different meaning to so many different people. So today's podcast, I'm just going to talk about what health means to me, um, what it meant to me a few years ago and what it means to me now in the hopes that it might help you guys. So today I want to talk about health and what healthy means to me. Um, I did put up a question on Instagram, a poll two weeks ago saying just asking what does healthy mean to you and the same two keywords kept on popping up in everyone's answer healthy and happy of course they were saying oh I want to lose weight I want to tone up and I want to be healthy and happy but healthy and happy were the two keywords that always showed up so I was like going healthy is such a complex word like some people could be some one person could be in the gym working out six times a week and to to them that's healthy but inside their mind might be so unhappy that they're trying to use the gym as an outlet to be happy. And then you might have another person who might be completely overweight, but really happy in themselves, but they don't look, they don't like how they look. So they'd love to be able to change how they look and change their dress size and stuff. So healthy and happy means so, they're completely different, but they work really well together. So when you're being healthy with your exercise and your food and all that, it's snowballed into and getting you to a more happier place. But if you're really unhappy in your mind through a relationship which you have with certain people or through your sleep and just through the relationship which you have you have with yourself, that snowballs effect into you not wanting to eat properly and not wanting to work out. So within this podcast, I'm going to give you five they're simple steps, but they're not so simple to implement straight away. So I broke them down into five simple steps. So maybe one week do step one, maybe week two do step two. So after listening to the whole podcast today, you will hopefully be equipped with the tools that I have learned down through the last 20 years of what healthy mean to me 20 years ago and what healthy means to me now. And if I do a podcast probably in 20 years time, what healthy means to me then will be probably, and I know it will be completely different to what it means to me today. So I'm just giving you the five steps that has helped me be healthy and happy, healthy on the outside, healthy the inside and happy in the outside and inside today. So without further ado, let's get on to the five steps. So one or two of the steps are a little bit long winded, but I hope that you get some value out of them anyway. And I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Step one is just get moving. Simple as that. Get moving. If you suffer from a little bit of social anxiety, a little bit of fear of the not knowing and all that, and you just start from basics, if you just can't leave the house, this fear is inside you. Nobody else looks at you and thinks that, oh, like, I don't think that one has fear of social anxiety. Do you know what I mean? If you have fear of just leaving the house alone, put on sunglasses. That's that's what I used to do when I first moved up to Dublin because I was like, oh my God, I don't know anybody. I don't know where I'm going. Do I look like a tit? I have no internet on my phone for Google Maps. Where the hell am I going? So I just popped on my sunglasses and I went walking around, figured my way around and kind of went from there. And then I got more confident then of joining the gym. And I got a little bit of anxiety in the gym at the beginning because I was like, God, I don't know where Anthony is. What will I do? A little bit of anxiety in the classes. Where do I stand? Where's people's normal routines where they stand the regulars am I standing on someone's spot where's the machines and all that where's the equipment so what I did was I kind of went about it when I joined the gym first and kind of walked around did a few classes didn't really touch weights so I then hired a personal trainer once a week for a few weeks which ended up in a few months that kind of got me confident and used to using the machines and stuff like that so then I was felt more confident that I knew my surroundings and my environment so I was able to do it myself then the same with me joining a new yoga class I got a little bit of anxiety I was like oh god first time here but you know what do I do where's the toilets and all that and am I actually going to fart during this session and then I won't be able to come back which happened anyway and I did go back um <laughs> 
probably should have said that, but it happens. And you have to understand that these things, everybody goes through these social anxieties and new environment anxieties and all that. But the first step to getting healthy and happy is moving your body, getting the endorphins flowing. Like, I know it's a quick hit of happiness and a quick hit of endorphins, but the more often you do that and not abuse your workouts, um, you will start producing the happy hormone a bit freely then, and that'll start making you feel a bit better in yourself as well. If you can only get out once a week for now, that's fine, but what I would suggest is two to three times a week, max four times a week. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you're an athlete and you're training for a marathon or something like that, obviously you'll be probably training six times a week, taking one rest day. Um, that's different. Um, that If that makes you happy, that's fine. Well, then you need to look at the outcome when you finish the marathon, that you have a good plan post-marathon, that you're not going to get the, the kind of low point where you're not getting the endorphins hit all the time from working out. So no matter what you're doing, in you're getting moving you need a plan going in and a plan coming out um if you're working for towards a marathon or working towards um a fitness competition or something like that or even working towards just doing a 5k do you know what i mean um but the main thing is just to get moving the days you don't feel like doing something is the days you need to get out and at least go for a walk because it's not good working nine to five in stuck in the same job coming home to the same house the same routine and not getting out to get the blood moving and getting the endorphins going and getting a little headspace for yourself so that was the first thing that always helped me because fitness was my first protocol um as i explained in the introduction to this podcast so i always thought healthy was getting going on the treadmill in the gym and just going to the gym and clocking in and just doing something regardless and getting the endorphins going but it is a deadly starting point 100% and if you get a little bit of help and actually know what you're doing to get you to the right goal whether you want to tone up or whether you want to lose fat and just get a little bit of guidance it's worth paying someone to guide you a little bit on that you mightn't find the right person at the beginning but don't be afraid because this is what health is all about as well as i'll speak in another point with relationships it's not to be afraid to say to the pt or to say to your fitness class person look these classes just aren't working out for me right now but i am going to try something else and if that works for me great you know that's fine as well but just to make sure if you do that that you're doing it for the right reasons because Nine times out of ten, if you're a bit of a gym slush, as I call it, or a class slush, we'll say. Now, I don't mean that in like the slushy terms, but as in you're hopping from class to class, hopping from gym to gym. Well, then the problem's not the gym or the classes. The problem's you. You need to be ready for the change and hopping from class to class and all of this. Okay, sometimes people don't connect with the instructor and sometimes the class are just shite and sometimes the gym is just shit as well. But if that's the case, kind of recognize that what you like and what you like in a person and see, can you find that in a trainer or in a class then? But if you're constantly hopping around going, this is not working, this is not working, well, then you need to sit back and look at yourself and think, is this me? And be realistic in your thoughts. Because I started to do that since my therapy most recently is sitting back in, if I'm the common denominator in a situation, then I need to ask the questions then going, is the problem me? And if they say no, I'll go, okay, well, that's okay. But a truthful no. But you have to look at a situation and see are you the common denominator. If you're the one hopping around from classes and gyms and all that, and you actually have met really good trainers and you've come really good classes and you're just like, no, that's not for me. Well, then the problem's you. You need to figure out why you don't want to change the cycle. So listen to the Lost Connections with the Trauma episode if you listen to that podcast sometimes we don't want to change because we're happy feeling miserable we're happy feeling fat and the protective layer that we have so nobody's looking at us we don't want to change because we don't know what the unknown looks like we don't want to change because maybe we're not able to accept compliments and that was one thing I struggled with I didn't like people complimenting me because that meant then maybe I was getting better looking in my body and maybe I was getting a bit more happier and for me that was drawn that might draw the wrong attention on a night out if I was drunk from males that I might get raped or I might get sexually abused or something like that. So now that's going way back. I've changed the way I've thought about that now um, 100%. But you could be listening to this going, God, is this why I'm feeling this way? Do you know? Um, so you, 
just to get moving is the biggest thing um, because I want to keep these points kind of short if I can. So get moving, get out of the house, even if it's only walking, starting off. If you have a little bit of social anxiety, the only way you're going to get through that anxiety is putting yourself into the situations all the time, learning how to manage them, breathing, relaxing, and remembering that it's only you that's thinking this. Nobody else knows that it's your first class. Nobody else knows that it's your first time in the gym. Everybody is too worried about them bloody selves to be thinking about you. And that is a fucking fact. Regardless if you're 20 stone, 40 stone, 2 stone, 3 stone. Nobody cares. They're just worrying about themselves. So get out and get moving. Don't be holding yourself back from your own little anxiety. Because nobody else gives a shit. And I'm telling you now they don't. And sometimes when you say it. And there's no harm if you start in a gym to go, listen, I have a little bit of anxiety about new environments. Is there any chance that a member of staff can show me around, show me some machines? Or like, do you offer a facility that you give me a program? Or if you start in a new class, um, just say to the instructor that, look, I get a little bit of social anxiety. So, you know, and they'll understand. People understand. Once you tell people how you feel, they cannot argue with that. And they will generally, most likely, want to help you. So... That is the first step is to get moving and get the endorphins flying and get your happy hormones up and get into a habit of doing it. Habit and consistency is key for everything. Step two. So this step has taken me donkey's years to figure out. Step two is cleaning up your diet and just being more aware of what you're eating and more aware of how certain foods make you feel. This has taken me a long time to figure this out, so I'm hopefully going to hopefully going to fast track it for anyone listening to this right now. Hopefully save you money, hopefully hopefully save you time and hopefully save you a lot of pounds as well that you're not putting on. So, if you're looking if you've already done step 1, so let's just say you're doing this steps weekly. Step one, get moving. That'll t- Use that for the first week. Don't overcomplicate things. Try not to do all five steps together in one week because that's just like sending a rocket up to space and not knowing where it's going and would fuck all fuel and it'll just crash and burn. Step one is the movement. Use that for the first week. So this will be your week two is cleaning up your diet and trying to figure out what wor- what's not working and what will work for you. So... For me, I knew I loved rice. I knew I loved baby potatoes. I don't particularly like mashed potatoes. So figure out what you like and what you don't like first. Um, There's certain veg I don't like and there's certain fruits I don't like. I used to think that I had to go and do a full trolley healthy shop. And next thing before I knew it, by the end of the week, there was a lot of the fruit gone off, a lot of the veg gone off. And I was still eating the same shite like the pizzas, the crisps, the biscuits, um, the ice creams and all that and all the good stuff was left behind so I was like I am wasting my money here like there's about 50 quid wasted that I could probably spend to pay somebody to tell me that what the fuck are you doing that for Do you know but this this is going on and this is seriously only even in the last few months where I actually stopped looking at people cooking online and on Instagram and all this bollocksology cooking protein balls and all that and different things where I'm like a I don't like dates and I don't particularly like the certain ingredients they're putting into them. And B, I'm wasting my time cooking them. And C, I'm eating them out of habit and that's eating more calories. So if you start from scratch, I would start to look at where you can clean up your diet slowly. If you're eating takeaways two or three times a week, that's not going to suit you and your goal if you want to make yourself feel a bit happier. If the them takeaways are Chinese, pizzas, um take a chipper chips burgers and all that number one them are the foods that your body doesn't particularly like in large amounts and they'll make you sluggish slow you down and it'll just get you in a bad frame of mind all the time so you're just you're like the mouse going around the wheel you're just doing the same thing over and over again and you're wondering then why you're it's not working for you that you're constantly feeling low sluggish tired and all that I have, since the last 20 years, with me researching this and been going to courses and stuff, teaching myself with books and podcasts and all that, and seminars, it's all down to your food, guys. And I used to think that if I went on the latest craze, like the keto diet, the fasting diet, and all of that shite, that, oh, this is it now, this is going to work. 
Let me tell you about the keto diet. If you do not do the keto diet properly and if you are not getting the right information and being guided with the right information with the professional, the keto diet could be the worst thing ever in the world in your fucking journey to happiness. Anyone that I know has done the keto diet because I never comment on if a client comes to me on the keto diet, I kind of don't go in with my opinion straight away. I kind of ask them how they're feeling and how it's working for them. Same way with fasting, same way with the 82, 80, 20 diet, the A2, the 16, the 16, 5 diet or whatever it is like and the Mediterranean diet, they're all out there. I ask them how are they feeling and how does the food make them feel and how their energy levels are. You need to ask yourself that of your current diet, regardless what diet you're on or what food plan you're following or what takeaways you're eating or whatever. Ask yourself the first question, how's my energy levels out of 1 to 10 every day? every day um how do you feel in the how do you feel after eating a certain meal between one to ten one being shit ten being i feel amazing now obviously if you eat sugar you get the dopamine hit for like five minutes and then you feel like shy afterwards same with pasta pasta makes me feel sad i eat pasta i get the buzz for about 10 minutes and then half an hour later i'm fucking can't move i'm sluggish i'm tired i want to go to bed i'm irritable with people around me so i just cannot eat pasta for that reason I've tried and tested it. I've had pasta every day for a week for my dinner, every day, and I had different pastas like penne, penne pasta, I had spaghetti, all of this mad malarkey, and I was so tired and sluggish by the weekend, and I didn't want to be talking to anyone, I didn't want to go out. Even though my dress size didn't change too much, I just felt fucking sluggish. So pasta does not work for me. So you need to start cleaning up your diet. If you want to start the latest craze like the keto diet, the high fat diet, the low carb diet, please go talk to a professional and get it controlled. Only yesterday I heard that one person that I know that was on the bulletproof coffee diet ended up in bed after a few weeks in hospital, ended up in bed for 10 days with a rash that would not go away. And that was from not doing the bulletproof diet properly, which is more or less like the keto diet. Do you know, so I know another person who's on the keto diet and was on it for three months, 12 week plan. Um, and this was kind of controlled with a gym in a different country and they weren't eating vegetables, they weren't eating fruit because they were classed as carbs. They depleted, they were more depressed coming out of the 12 week plan than they were going into it. So like you cannot cut vegetables and fruits out of your diet guys and I'm telling you this now and this is coming from someone who's tried all the diets in the world. Your veg, your fruit, these are all your carbs that you need with your nutrients, your micronutrients, your vitamins, everything is in them that you need, your fiber to keep your bowel movements going, your gut health happy. Once you keep your gut health happy, which is your microbiome and your, it's all your gut, that's where 95% of your serotonin hormone is produced. That's where it's sitting, 95% of it. That's your happy hormone. So if you're not feeding your, your microbiome, your gut, with all the stuff that it needs in order to stay filtered and happy and things moving and the hormones being released happy. So think of a car park. Think of the cars going to a festival. The latest festival actually that happened in Ireland. Um, so a lot more people, they upped the numbers a little bit, but the traffic actually going into the festival was like bottleneck. There was people for 11 hours sitting in traffic driving to the festival. So they kind of upped the numbers a bit. It'd be like you, you're up in your sugar, you're up in your alcohol, you're up in your takeaways, but you're not allocating of how your bowel movements are going to feel about this and how your stomach's going to, the bottleneck in your body. It's like the bottleneck traffic going down the motorway, going to a festival that's not, um, the proper precautions of isn't there allocated for the amount of traffic that's coming in to the one particular area. Your body is the same. Think of your gut as a bottleneck. Like you're putting all this shit into it, but you're not realizing how it's been filtered out. And okay, you have your your detox, your natural detox in your body, which is your kidneys and your liver, liver and all that. But if you're constantly throwing stuff into the bottleneck in the gut of takeaways, greasy foods, alcohol, throwing in cigarettes down top of it, throwing in drugs, the whole lot, um, antibiotics, and it's going into the bottleneck and it's just sitting there. And if 95% off your serotonin is sitting in your gut how the hell are you going to start releasing your happy hormone how is your gut being able to release hormones to be able to tell your brain what's going on that the 
I can't poo properly. The urine's stinging me because I'm drinking so much alcohol, I'm taking so much pills, um, I'm eating so much sugar, yeast from beer and all that. Like, think of your stomach and your gut as a bottleneck. If you fill up that bottleneck too much and you have this little filter at the bottom trying to filter everything out, which is there trying to regulate your whole body of how you are feeling, that's not going to work, lads. You need to sort out your backed up bottleneck in your gut. So think of your gut as the tip of the bottleneck and the bigger part, which is the wider part that you're filling it with shit and rubbish every day and food and drink. You need to keep that relatively clear enough. So what works for some people is some people don't like breakfast. That's fine. But drinking three or four coffees then before lunch probably isn't a good idea because you're completely upset in your stomach with acidity drinks straight away for me that's not good at all um i love breakfast so i can't live without breakfast but if you're someone that doesn't like breakfast don't fucking eat the breakfast have a good lunch a good dinner but make sure that you're not overcompensating with different snacks during the day so for me when i first started eating healthy now this one is going to be a long one step two so for me when i first started eating healthy I thought I had to make all these protein balls, snacks, cakes and all that. So what I was doing was when I actually started counting my calories on a calorie tracker, I was eating 1200 calories of snacks a day. This was before I even had my breakfast, before I had my lunch and before I had my dinner of snacks. What was the point like? So for me to stay the, the way, the frame I am now and to support my workouts, I need to be having between... Uh, 1800 calories and 2000 calories a day depending on how active I am so before I would have went on a like a thousand calorie diet 900 and all of this where a matter of fact I was just wrecking myself starving myself to the point where I was just binging all the time so we need to stop the binging as well I'll get on to that in a minute so I kind of lost my train of thought now with all my talking um yeah so yes the snacks there's no need to buy all the snacks there's no need to be looking at the latest Instagram recipe only if you like the food and only if you have a little bit of self-control. That's why sometimes if you don't feel like a piece of fruit when you're in the car and you're, uh, your job is driving and all that, well, have a protein bar. It's not the best thing in the world to be having, but it's better than buying loads of bars of chocolate. At least you know that you're getting your protein level up, you know, um, as well because it's all about the protein guys keeping within your calories and keeping with keeping your proteins high along with getting your micronutrients in like your veg and your fruit and all that as well to keep your gut happy your microbiome and keeping everything nice and clear when it comes to your bowel movements as well so <clears throat> step two is cleaning up your diet where you can if you're eating too much of a certain thing chocolate drink crisps cigarettes whatever uh, pastas you need to start cleaning up where you can change it around the pastas for some baby potatoes and um, which will keep you fuller for longer and actually is a lot more beneficial for your gut if you bake some potatoes and let them cool down and um, like baby like um salad potatoes and maybe put a little bit of um yogurt and mint and all that in with it and make your little sauce for your salad dr Lavelle who did the podcast on gut health with Brian Keane and that's a really good one to listen to as well if you just feel like your brain fog you're irritable and all that it's most generally coming from your food uh, it's a really good podcast to listen to he was saying because us, us Irish love the potatoes the best um the best advice he could give was not to have the potatoes when they're warm, just cooked, like mashed or boiled or anything like that. Because he said the starch in them is not good for our gut and we may get swollen, we may get irritable and we, um, that's where we recognise potatoes as not suiting us and we might be sensitive to them. He said once you cool the potatoes after cooking them, it's the heat process and the cooling down process that makes the starch more bearable for our gut and our gut actually loves it. Um so and we're not as sensitive so that's one good tip if you do like potatoes is number one watch the amount of potatoes that you're having cup up your hand and look at your palm and that's the amount of potatoes that should fit that you should be having for your dinner or your lunch is however much can fit in your cupped palm Um, your plate should be more or less i think anyway 60 percent veg and then the rest of it is proteins and carbohydrates like your 
potato carbohydrates, your pastas, your rices and all of that. You need the fiber to fill you up for longer, but you also need the protein to fill you up for longer. And to get that nice, fluffy, warm feeling, you need your carbohydrates as well, because they do give you that nice, fluffy feeling in your tummy. And that's the feeling that we want all the time. And that's why we eat too much carbs, like pastas, um, potatoes, especially the mashed lovely ones with loads of milk and cream and all that, um, the egg fried rice and all that. So try balance out your plate a little bit better. That's a good starting point. Balance out your plate. Watch what kind of snacks you're having. Um, start tracking your calories. I already said this in my first podcast ever of where to begin for beginners when they want to lose fat. Start tracking your calories just literally to see and be more aware of what calories are in what and certain foods. Obviously, if you're going for the croissants, the scones, all them baked pastry, easy, convenient foods, they're going to be high in calories. That's just not going to fill you up, basically. So you really need to balance out your day. Um, whether you like breakfast or not, it's completely up to you, but try keep within your calories within the day. Figure out what's not working for you. Write down a piece of paper of what you do not like about your diet right now and start ticking off simple things that you can change each week. So what I suggest to people is try concentrate on breakfast one week or lunch or dinner and sort out one thing each week. So the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit and the more it becomes manageable. Where I find if people try to do everything all at once in one week, it doesn't work. Um, absolutely not. And that just makes you in return, if this podcast is about being healthy and happy, if you crash and burn too fast by doing too much too soon, you're going to crash and burn and then you're going to feel guilty, you're going to feel unhappy and that's not what we want to do um, in order to make you healthy and happy. So that was step two, cleaning up your food, having a look at it, where you can get your um, protein sources in, keeping your protein relatively high. Again, just to give you an idea of what protein you should be having per day for your body, it's your weight in kg multiplied by two and whatever you get, that's protein in grams is what you should be having. So let's just say if I'm 55 kg, that's 110 grams of protein minimum I need to be getting per day in order to keep me fuller and keep all my cells happy because everything in your body is made of proteins amino acids, everything. Um, so that's step two, cleaning up your diet. So let's just take it that it's week two and you are going to do this, clean up your diet after you've gotten moving in week one. And let's get on to the next step. Third step, healthy relationships with yourself and with people around you. So this is definitely a more of a personal one for me because um, I really struggled with this um, I definitely would have had a lot of collateral damage down through the years of my relationships with people, how I handled argumentative um, arguments or conversations or tricky conversations with people that I just didn't feel comfortable with, um, work colleagues, how I let them treat me and how I treated them because I didn't, I wasn't being more vocal. So I listen to the savvy psychologist. She does like 10 minute podcasts on five tips of certain things, we'll say. So one thing in particular I listen to doing my research for this podcast as well is being healthy. And she said, in, or just being happy, what makes people happy? So we all think it's being healthy. We all think it's fitness. Now they do contribute. Believe me, they do. If you're not moving and if you're eating shite all the time and you're not looking after your diet and you're smoking, you're drinking, you're taking drugs, you're doing fucking everything and too much of the one thing, the bad thing, it does contribute to you being healthy and happy. But the one thing that she said really contributes to people being happy is healthy relationships with the people around you. And I can 100% confirm that that is correct. Being through what I've been through down to the years and chasing happiness. The one thing I regret is the relationships I've had with certain people. The relationships, how I ended certain relationships with boyfriends. How I treated certain friends because I didn't like what they were doing. So the best way for me to deal with them was cut them out completely. Um, now some people you just need to cut out completely. And that's fine. And I've no guilt for certain things that I've cut out in my life or people 100%. Um, it's when you look back and you're like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. But certain things I would have done, um, I definitely wouldn't have handled certain situations the way I would have liked them to handle. So that's one of the most important things that if you want to feel help, happy, you need to be able to have good relationships with the people around you. Now, that is easier said than done. 
and take it from somebody who has struggled with this. So um, let me give you an example. So breakups. If you had a bad breakup and let's just say you went on a bit of a deleting spree, deleted everyone on Facebook, deleted everyone on Instagram that was associated to that person just because how you were feeling on the inside. And this could be if you broke it off with them, do you know? Um, it's like my way of dealing with things in the past was just get rid of everything, block everything, delete everything. It didn't happen. If I don't see it and if I'm not reminded of it, it didn't happen. So rather than dealing with the situation, um, even though if I... I was the one that stopped the relationship. This is still how I would react. <laughs> so rather than dealing with it, of what happened, figuring out and talking to the person and going, well, listen, you know, it probably wouldn't have worked out for this reason anyway, you know, and not avoiding the person for the, for the next few years. And that's reminding yourself of the action that you took in order to do that breakup, you know. So I've learned now in my 37 year old Karina self that if I was to go back or if someone was going through the same situation I would say at least try come to a communication point where the two you could talk about it and come to say listen it just didn't work out now some cases you just can't do that and I know and so you just have to let it go and go yeah that was the right thing I did and that person probably never wants to talk to me again and that's absolutely fine but it's the guilt that used to get me of how I ended a friendship, how I ended a relationship, how I ended a job or something like that. It was the guilt that I wasn't able to handle afterwards because it's not what I would have liked. But if I wasn't equipped with the tools at the time to deal with certain situations with integrity, with respect for me and the person and to wish we'll say if known with feeling good of how you sorted out the situation that you got across how you felt so the biggest thing for me was I was not able to express to people how I felt at the time of the certain situation so let's just say if it was um, a breakup with a boyfriend I wasn't able to express myself at the time that okay this was a build-up of loads of things that was happening in the last few months, but I just couldn't express how I was feeling about it because I was full with other things that was going on in my life, with the kids, with the divorce, with, like, my brother's car crash. I was full to the rim, to the point where my eyeballs were nearly bleeding, like, you know. Um, so sometimes you can be too full um, with stress um, that you can't actually express how you're feeling in certain situations and especially in an argumentative situation with a colleague or a stranger or something like that where you're like it was easier for me just to go oh, fuck off that's it good luck goodbye off we get rather than going I actually don't like how you're treating me in this situation but we need to come to a middle ground here where if we bump into each other we can at least be civil to each other do you know so Having good relationships with the people around you is one of the things that make people really happy. And I've really worked on my relationships around me now. I haven't done everything altogether because, again, I feel if you flood, I feel if I get overwhelmed of doing too many things at once, nothing's going to get done. I'll be that busy queen and running around again and uh, busy, 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 but nothing's actually getting done. So I don't overwhelm myself with stuff. I kind of go, OK, I'll see that person next year. At a certain event and I'll have a chat with them and talk to them and kind of tell them how I feel and how I did feel and kind of like oh, sorry about that and and then I kind of do it that way I don't go out of my way but I will I know that I'll be able to sort it out eventually um you know so by doing that then and explaining this is how I felt and I wasn't able to handle it a certain way and I'm sorry and you know it does make things a hell of a lot better so in the last year um I have met certain people um that I would have kind of stopped my friendship with or certain relationships with really fast because of how I was feeling and couldn't express myself that I have sorted it out since and it definitely does give you a little bit more calmer feeling inside of your body now I'm not saying that you ring up a fucking ex from 20 years ago and go hey hey dude um do you remember that time we broke up and you know I might have said this you have to leave the past in the past with some situations I'm saying that if it's people that you meet on a regular basis that you're avoiding going down the street that's a problem because that's complete negativity on your behalf sometimes things can't be worked out with tricky neighbors and stuff like that that's okay you just have to realize that and kind of sit with that well in your body and go well this is something that cannot be fixed it's not my problem it's their problem and 
you will be happy enough in yourself knowing that then as well. Um, I'm definitely not saying go ring an ex or go ring a job from 40 years ago where you're out in the piss and you didn't show up for days and that you got fired or something like that. I'm not saying that because some things you just have to let go. But definitely with the relationships around you in your inner circle, you if you have them right, I know that you will automatically feel a bit happier as well. In your inner circle, and I spoke about this before, there's certain negative people that you just don't need in your inner circle that you can push out. I'm not saying that you get rid of them and don't talk to them, but you push out, put them on the back burner for a while and don't give them as much airtime. Because if you're talking to someone and they're making you feel fat, they're making you not making you, but make, they're kind of giving you this feeling that you don't like hanging around with them because they drink too much or they just eat too much ice or they're just whatever. And you don't want to be involved in that for now until you sort yourself out. That's okay. Learn how to say it to these people. So let's just say if you're the overweight person in your group and your skinny friends are constantly putting snacks down and thinking that, oh, they need to put them down because of course the bigger girl, the fatter girl wants them. I would talk to them friends and say, listen, I'm on this, like, I'm sorting myself out. And one of the things I'm doing to sort myself out is, like, I don't need them snacks. I don't particularly want them. So don't be putting them out just for me. And, like, by saying that to your friends, they probably don't know that that's how you're feeling. But if you express yourself to them and say, this is how I feel, and this is what I'm doing, and this is my journey, no friend is going to turn around unless they're one of them complete gobshites that you need to park outside your inner circle is going to go, well, shut up and just eat the fucking thing. And if they do, that's one of them friends that you need to park out outside that inner circle and don't give them that much airtime because they're not going to support you and your goal because they don't want you being the skinny one in the group. They don't want you doing this. They don't want you doing that. Screw that. So don't get offended by them because that's something that they've gone on in their life that they're projecting out on you. Um, but generally nine times out of 10, when you express feelings to people, they will generally nine times out of 10 go, oh God, I didn't know that. I know now. So, you know, we won't, you know, next time they won't even say it. They won't produce all the snacks. They won't think that you'll be the one that wants three burgers at the barbecue instead of two because you're the bigger, fatter one in the group. The same way that if you are the one struggling with bulimia or anorexia in the group or something like that, they don't want to be offering you food because they think it's like a druggie or a junkie. I can't be offering them cocaine. I can't be offering them cannabis. I can't be offering them heroin because I'm feeding their habit. So that's the same as having your skinny friend who you know that has a bit of an eating order just problem. If you're that person with the eating ordered problem, I would express to your friends and your family how you're feeling, what you're struggling on. Nobody can argue again with how you're feeling and how you're struggling and express what you like and what you don't like of how they're treating you just because of the eating disorder that you have. And once you do that, you're making, you're getting steps in the right, you're creating the right steps to get into a healthier, happier you eventually. Do you know that kind of way? Um, another step would be with the boyfriend. So I was constantly just breaking it off with my boyfriend all the time because I wasn't able to express how I was feeling in myself and certain things that he did that I didn't like. So I used to build things up like a fucking volcano and then I'd explode and I'd be like, oh my God, just get away from me. I need space. So this was when I was full to the gills anyway with stress and emotions at the time with past traumas family uh, crashes, car crashes, different things going on. So now I have learned that I can, if I say what's wrong with me, this is how I feel. This, I don't particularly like this. I don't like you saying this to me. I don't like you talking to my friend that way. I don't like you talking to the kids that way. It makes me feel a bit anxious. And since I started doing that in the last while and when I've learned to express myself and nobody can argue about how you feel and how they make you feel, if they're anyway understanding at all, they be like, oh, hold on a minute here now. This, okay, if I'm making them feel this way or this is how they feel, okay, there must be a problem here. Let's sit down and we'll fix it. So it's keeping the lines of communication open all the time is going to make you a little bit better with your relationship with people. If you are going to your class um, PT or your class instructor or your Slim World or Weight Watchers um, mentor or just your teacher, if you listen to this and you're a teenager or whatever, nobody can argue with or your boss or your work colleague. If the person is a complete cunt, 
and you tell them how you're feeling and look, you know, I'm just not feeling this session. You know, I kind of bored now of this PT kind of what's going on. Can I mix it up? Nine times out of ten, like if the PTs are cunt, they're just going to go, oh, fuck you, this is how I train. But if someone did that to me, I'd be like, oh, of course, yes. Because sometimes you get caught in the moment and you get caught doing the same routine. You're like, yes, let's change it up. You're not changing. But if you're waning, if you're measuring people every week, it's generally an indication that you need to change up the program every so often in order for them to change. The same way if you're going to a class and the person's doing the same shit over and over again, just say to them, just say, listen, I'm kind of getting bored of this now. Like, I really like you as a trainer, but you're doing the same thing all over again. You're getting complacent. Once you say that to a trainer, they're going to snap out because they probably have other shit going on and they're just zoning out and asleep. Like I explained in the first or second um, point in this podcast, they're probably just asleep and they're going through their regular emotions because there's so much going on. So once you say something to somebody, they'll pop out of it and go, oh my God, yeah, you're right. I didn't realize I was doing that. Um, they'll never argue with you unless, again, they're a cunt and then just leave their class. Um, so it's like Slim World, Weight Watchers, consultant, your mentor, your boss or anything like that. People respect you more when you sit down and go, listen, I don't particularly feel well. Even if it's a job and you don't feel well and you need a week off and believe me, Going from a past experience with a job, if you need a week off, you take that week off because it's going to be more beneficial for you and your job. That you now, if you're taking the piss and you're doing it all the time, well, then you're taking the fucking piss. Then you need to reevaluate your own yourself again and reset and decide what's going on. So, if it's a job or work colleague or something like that, the best thing to do is approach these people and say, "Listen, can we have a coffee? I just don't feel the way you're treating me is right. I don't feel well." Um, if it's your job, I'd, listen, I don't feel well. I just need a break. I need a week off. I need to reset. I need to figure out what's going on. Because if I don't, I might just fuck up my job. I might transfer millions to a person. And if you're working in a bank without realizing it, I might injure a person. I might do something. So once you're being honest and if you need that reset, say it. It's if a work colleague's bullying you or supervisor's bullying you or something, you just need to sit down with them and listen and go, this is how I'm feeling right now. I don't feel like our relationship is good. It's really getting me down and I'm not being able to perform properly in my job. If that person doesn't take on board what you said, they're fucking gobshite and you need to go to somewhere, someone higher within that job and just complain about it. Simple as that. If you like your job, you don't want to leave, go and complain and keep on complaining until, and if you know you're doing your job right, well, like, you know, you just need to keep the lines of communication open and protect yourself. If it's a work colleague that you just don't particularly like and you clash as a personality, just distance yourself from the person. Try not to work alongside the person as often and um, keep moving within the job. Do what you have to do and just distance yourself, protect yourself, put a protective layer around you and imagine that that protective layer is not going to let any negativity in from them. And um, because more often than not, it's them reflecting what's happening in their lives out on you. Um. So definitely having healthy relationships around you 100% make you happy. If you're in a job that's really negative and you're in a position to move, move as fast as you can because that's never going to change, especially if it's negative from the minute you walk in the door, move, get out the door, get into a different job, even if to get a lower paid job that's that you know that's going to make you happier, even if it's only an in-between job until you get a job that you actually like in your profession, do it. You cannot be going into an environment that hasn't changed at all down through the years and different people are coming and going out of it. You need to get out of it. If it's at home and it's a relationship or something like that, if you can work it out through communication and you know that it's just broken down in communication between the two E, then you need to work on the communication. If you need to get someone to intervene and get a counsellor or just get um, a mediator in just to kind of break things down a bit at the beginning that also helps that works pretty well as well um try not to explode and just do something extreme that you might regret again although saying that it was the best thing I ever did was completely stop a relationship for two years and um come back again it was definitely the best thing we both come back different because we both learned we both worked on ourselves if that makes sense now if I didn't work on myself I probably would repeat history again and repeat the cycle again and just do it again and again so if you are repeating cycles 
um, definitely have a look at what's been repeated in your life and how you can stop repeating them cycles because generally if we're repeating cycles that's what we tend to do um, from a psychological point of view and they tend to not work the same thing happens over and over again you need to write down what's happening and how you're going to go about changing it and again if you are the common denominator in the cycles then you need to look at yourself, which is really hard of maybe what are you doing wrong that you can fix and not to be afraid to say that and put your hand up and go, I am wrong and I need to, is there, what way can I fix this? Um, is there a way of fixing it? And sometimes there isn't in certain things. If some people get really hurt and sometimes there is. Um, but again, if you're being honest, nobody can really argue with that. Um, so I'm gone pretty over 17 minutes with this point. So I'm going to stop it now. But it's one of, it's next to eating healthy and getting moving. So I would probably, I would have put this in the first point, but I think people probably would have switched off because it's a pretty long one. But I would make this the most important one first is fixing the, your inner circle, the relationships in your circle, what needs to be pushed out, what needs to be fixed with certain people and look at your environment as well. If there's certain people bringing you down, if the certain work colleagues are just completely depressed and off the wall, you need to get moved from them. Or if it's a job, you need to make everything's changeable. 100% I've changed jobs so many times for different things because I didn't like my environment. I didn't particularly like the job and everything happened for a reason. And there was never one thing that I didn't regret leaving a job for, do you know, that kind of way. Um, there were some relationships I had to leave and I don't regret the ones that I've left um, either. Um, everything happens for a reason. And once you know you're making the right decision, that's all that matters as well. So that's kind of what makes people happy. And what makes you healthy is your movement and your food. And I'm going to the next step then is um, another thing that's going to make you healthy and happy. So step four. So step four is sleep. Now, I know you've all heard this, and if new moms and dads are listening to this with a new baby or someone with a new puppy who are just not getting sleep would be like, Karina, piss off. You don't know what it's like. I do have two kids, I have a puppy and all of that, so I know what it's like. But the next thing is, is your sleep. So some people work pretty well on four hours sleep. Some people work pretty well on five hours sleep. But sleep and hydration as well and water along with um, fixing your relationships and eating healthy and moving Sleep is a next big thing as well, 100%. If you're sleep deprived, you're groggy, you can't think properly, you're narky with the people around you, which in return is not really good for your relationships. If you're sleep deprived from stress, it's again, in return, the backlash of that is going to be that you're going to be looking for sugary foods, drinking more coffee to keep you awake, not really arsed prepping your food, going for the stupid options in the shop food-wise because you're so tired, you're just grabbing and you're going back to your default setting again. What do you always revert back to when the shit hits the fan? So if you're tired and you're sleep deprived or you were made a shit yourself the weekend drinking, what's your default that you get takeaways all the next week? You're eating salt, you're eating sugar, you're drinking during the week because your body's looking for more alcohol after the weekend. That's your default setting. An adequate amount of sleep a night and unbroken sleep. I'm definitely in such better form the next day. So sometimes I go through stages if I'm going through a bit of high anxiety, high stress, or if I know my trigger moments are coming up, if I know that the kid's dad is coming home into the country and looking to see the kids, I'm getting a bit of anxiety for a week or two before that because I'm wondering are the kids going to be okay. My sleep gets disrupted around that time, um, which snowball effects into the healthy eating and the exercise, everything kind of goes a little bit you know what I mean so it's to fix that and again it's everything combined together obviously if you're sleeping better you're making better choices the next day with food you have better relationships with the people around you because you're not narky you're not snappy um so steps for a better night's sleep we all know this lads and I'm still practicing them practicing them myself is getting out for loads of fresh air that day um, even if you did, did a workout, I would still try to get out for fresh air and go for a walk um, for at lunchtime, before work, after work, walking home from work. The fresh air and the oxygen. So the next step, I'm going to talk about your breath. Getting as much oxygen into your body is like keeping a tree in a glass house and get, like feeding it. It's grown of oxygen. So we're exactly like trees. If you cut the oxygen off from a tree, it's going to die. So 
when we start getting a little bit of um, stress and anxiety and busy, our breath is kind of like this. <gasps> it stops at our chest. That's not good. Everything that runs our body is down in our gut, down our lungs, everywhere. So we need to get our breath like this right into the pit of our lungs and out nice and slowly. So by going out walking in the fresh air, I would practice um, when you're moving your breath, getting big, huge, deep breaths in, getting as much oxygen in as you can. That in return will help you sleep better that night. Um, another thing is, is de decreasing your stress levels. Again, decreasing your stress will come automatically when you start cleaning up your diet a little bit, taking out your salty processed foods, your alcohol, um, your packet foods, getting more foods that you um, that grows on the ground, runs around a farm or swims in the sea. Um, the less salty stuff you have, the more you can think clear because you're less dehydrated. Um, what else makes you help sleep a bit better? Um, not going to sleep late at night. So generally the way our sleep system works is the sunrise and the sunset. So that's generally how our sleep patterns should be, that we wake with the sunrise and we start to get sleepy and we're in bed by sunset. But for now, I have learned that sleep is really, really, really important. I've listened to so many podcasts, read so many books, and I know myself don't do that because it's the way we're operated with work and different things like that. And especially in Ireland, because the seasons change so much with the time change and all that, we do get a bit messed up every now and again when the clocks go forward, the clocks go back and all that. So the sunrise in the summer comes up at what, half four or five o'clock. People generally rise at around six when you're working. That's a good in. That's a good time to get up. If you can get up before that, and um, before the kids, and before the rush at around quarter to six, half five, that's even better again. Um, some moms, stay at home moms, tend to the kids don't get up until five, eight o'clock. That's not a good thing for you to get into a habit of is get waking up five minutes before the kids, because that's creating trauma. That's creating stress straight away because you you're you're not dressed. You've nothing done. You're waking the kids up roaring and shouting. And you're creating stress in the morning, which in return is going to have you stressed for the day. You're going to be drinking coffee, eating shite, not eating properly. And then you're so stressed that you're not sleeping properly that night either. So if you're a work colleague and you're snoozing three or four times in the morning or you're sorry, you work nine to five or whatever, or you work shift work, snoozing that um, alarm is not good. You need to get up the minute that first snooze comes off because by snoozing and falling into another little fall sleep, you're tricking your brain that you're going back to sleep again. And that's not good. You're going to be groggy for the day. So at the minute that's no step one, try not to snooze in the morning. Once is enough. If you're doing two or three times, you need to get out of that habit. I'm telling you now it works. It's brilliant. It makes you feel better. And straight away, it makes you feel like you've accomplished the day. Um, the second one would be, and we're going for morning time because it all starts in the morning of how you're going to sleep that night. If you're a mom or a stay-at-home parent and you're getting up five minutes before the kids, that's not good. You need to get up again, six o'clock, half six, seven o'clock, the latest. Get up an hour, an hour and a half before the kids. Sort yourself out, sort the lunches out to be ready for the kids and greet them when they come up out of bed. And um, because nobody's rushing in the morning, the kids don't give a shit. It's usually the mom or the parent or the nanny or whoever's getting the kids ready that's rushing, which in return rushes the kids and there's stress. So start your morning off good and it'll snowball into you eating healthy, having good relationships with the people around you. And then when you come home at nighttime, you try to get out for a little bit of a walk. If you can't get out for a walk, maybe practice the breaths and the breathing techniques I'll show you or tell you in the next step. So tips at night time would be not to have your phone in the bedroom not to have screen time and um, not to look at your emails late at night because only there the last night I looked at my emails stupidly at half 11 and I noticed that a flight that I um made got cancelled for the next day and I panicked where I was like I could have sorted that out in the morning and not be panicked and I was stressed I didn't sleep till half three and I was wrecked I was wrecked for days afterwards so going on my holiday my three days holidays I was wrecked so not looking at your emails um, when the dawn comes down and when it starts getting dusks, I wouldn't look at my emails at all. Um, we are all in a habit of looking at social media. Worst thing you can do ever. It's not, it's going to keep you awake and the blue light mimics, um, sunrise. So your brain's getting confused and tricked and it keeps you wide awake. Not to be coming home working on the laptop either. You need to break that habit after nine o'clock. That laptop needs to be knocked off. Simple as that. And you need to switch off, do downtime. Um, lie on the couch even if you zone out and watch a half an hour TV 
like mind-numbing TV or mind-numbing Netflix, that's okay. But if you're scrolling along on Facebook or Instagram for an hour, that's not good either. Um, get reading a book, lying in bed, going to bed early, having a bath before bed helps as well, especially if you feel like you've been insomnia, having an Epsom salt bath with lavender every night, bringing a book to bed with you and just working on your breathing technique that I'll show you in the, that I'll tell you about in the next step as well, will help you sleep also and it'll help the mind, stop the mind from racing. So sleep is a huge thing. If there's another little trick you can use as well, magnesium supplement is deadly. It's an all rounder. It relaxes your muscles after working out. It helps reduce, um, it helps regulate your sugar cravings and it also helps you sleep a little bit better as well. So in the Western world, we, um, we lack magnesium in our diet a lot. So that contributes to a, like muscle cramps, um, lack of sleep. It can contribute to that. I'm not saying that that is the problem because obviously if you're on your phone, if you're working late at night, that's the problem. If you're stressed, if you're drinking, smoking, all that's the problem. Like, you know, so you need to look at everything as a whole. But I'm just saying that if you have everything else kind of half right, um, the magnesium supplement might help as well. So that's your sleep. And that is definitely an important role step to take as well. But again, I would work on moving first. Then I would work on clean up your diet one week. And the third week, then I would start looking at your relationships with people. And then the next week, then I'll start looking at your sleep. Um, you can get the Fitbits now and all the watches monitor your sleep. Use it as a guideline, but try not get too caught up in it that if you have a few bad nights sleep with babies, dogs, just a little bit of stress from work, not to get panicked too much about it. Like, don't go by the watch religiously going, oh my God, I only got four hours sleep. Three of that was good. The other hour was restless. Don't get too caught up in it. Just use it as a guideline. It's a nice indication, but not to be getting anxiety by it either. The next step is step five is your breathing. I used to laugh when people used to tell me, oh, work on your breathing. Once you get your breathing right, everything will calm down a situation. I'd be like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm angry. I'm not going to sit here and concentrate on my breathing. But I have learned that concentrating on my breathing and bringing myself back to my breath has worked wonders for me in the last two years. So I first got told, well, I've got told this in yoga loads of times to concentrate on your breathing. It has massive health benefits for you to get as much oxygen in as you can all around your body but we don't care about that because we don't care about our breathing because we're not paying for it we're not buying it and because it comes natural to us we take it as a bit of a fucking who gives a shit about the breathing because we have it anyway but it's one of the biggest things for health to help you sleep to help you relax to manage your stress anxiety and all of that which all snowballs into everything the five steps that i'm talking about the moving more the clean up your diet the healthy relationships the sleep it all comes back down to your breath at the end of the day so so to give you an example i when i get stressed this is my breath i'm only going as far as my chest with my breath so when I'm racing around, running around, and especially when the kids go back to school now and I'm trying to juggle everything together, my breath will start to get really sharp and it won't be deep. So I'm reading this book at the moment, the book of joy. And again, it's little practices that bring you back to your breath. So I was reading it while I was away for three days. And one thing in particular said, the little book, it's brilliant. It's called the book of joy. The I got it given to me as a present. So the the cover of the book kind of put me off because it's like butterflies and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, hairy fairy stuff. But when I actually brought on holidays with me and I actually read it, each chapter is three pages long and it goes through different scenarios in life. And I'm like, oh, I actually like this now. This is very valuable. Straight to the point, this is what you do. So in one particular thing, it was like, if you feel anxiety or if you feel stressed or you don't like a situation, take big, deep breaths and concentrate on how you feel in your breath. So, for example, I was getting on the plane and the plane was taking off and I was getting a bit of anxiety because I didn't have the kids with me. And I was like, oh, God, what if something happened to me? I'm their sole carer. So I started to breathe and I started going <sighs> nice and slow for about 10 breaths. And next thing I was like, oh, I'm a bit calm now. And as I was breathing, I was trying to relax my mind and I was kind to figure out what was actually really going on. And it was just the anxiety that I kept telling myself every time I went onto a plane that it's going to crash, it's going to crash. Look at the plane wasn't going to crash. There's hundreds of them in the air every day and they don't crash like. Once in a blue moon, a tragedy unfortunately happens. 
but generally the run of the mill, it doesn't. So I was just believing in my believe in my feelings and believe in my thoughts that something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, and it's not. So I was brought myself back to my breath, did the practice that the book told me, went calm, dropped my shoulders, breathing in deep through my nose, right to the pit of my lungs, and out slowly through my mouth. Do that for ten times and see how you feel. I started practicing it recently in the last few days with certain things and it 100% calms me down. I couldn't sleep the other night because I knew my kids were going with their dad on a plane. So I was like, what about something happens to them? I couldn't sleep. I was lying in bed for an hour. So I said, okay, let's go bring it back to the breathing. I flattened my body out straight, didn't cross my legs, didn't cross my arms, didn't cross my fingers, just lie down straight, concentrate on my breathing, in through my nose, out through my mouth. And I honestly don't remember anything after that because I fell asleep. So <laughs> everything does come back to the one thing that comes natural to us and it's free is our breathing. Bring everything back to your breathing. Now, I'm not saying run off and do a mindfulness meditation class or something like that. I've done them all. Uh, went to a meditation class before and I actually fell asleep. I was wrecked and I was like, I was so relaxed. I was snoring along with the girl beside me snoring. So like... Sometimes the meditation classes are good if you have a free time and you just want to work on yourself and see how you feel in certain situations. It wasn't for me because I was a bit relaxed and it wasn't for me at the time because I wasn't ready for it at the time. I would probably right now happily sit in um, a breathing meditation class because I know now that I can relax a little bit more because I'm not up to 90. Um, Again, I have been through these little steps that I just went through in this podcast, the moving more, getting healthy with the movement, not being overboard in the exercise, um, the clean up my diet a lot and not just going what I see on Instagram and people making stuff that I don't particularly like and it's costing me money and I know now what my body loves. If you want to look at my food shop, actually, you can go look on my Instagram. I put up what was in my food trolley recently, but getting back to the breathing. If you feel like the shit's hitting the fan, if you're in a certain situation or a social anxiety situation where you don't want to go into a certain place in your own, a certain class, a certain gym, um, even if it's mass or even if it's starting anything, just start breathing and getting back to your breathing a little bit more. Breathing into your nose, out your mouth and relaxing yourself and just remembering that it's just you and your breath and nobody else gives a shit about you around you. They really don't unless you're in trouble and they want to help you. Um, but otherwise people don't know. And nine times out of 10, other people have the same anxiety, but they're just not talking about it because it's like if you're having a bad day and you tell someone you're having a bad day, well, then they tell you they're having a bad day. And then they tell you about Johnny down the road who had a bad day last week and everything happened since. So sometimes you're better off just keeping to yourself, getting your breath in, figuring out what the hell is actually going on in your surroundings. And nine times out of 10, it's the self-thought we talk to in our heads that we're building up a certain situation and things generally aren't that bad at all. Um, especially if you find it hard to sleep, you need to lie there. And there's loads of different things now on YouTube of like one minute. Um, but again, that's on your phone, you see. So if you can practice it yourself, it would probably be better. But if you can't and you just have even on Spotify, you can just leave it beside you and they can play like a sleep app that'll just play and it'll concentrate on your breathing techniques and relax you a little bit better as well until you can learn not to use that sleep app or not to use that breathing technique on an app or YouTube. If you have to use the phone, starting off do, but your aim is to not have the phone that you can get into the breathing technique yourself to help you sleep and to get you out of certain situations as well. Um, stress situations so that's it I don't know how long this podcast has gone until I piece it all together and edit it but that's my five steps that I have learned to being healthy and happy you can be healthy but you might necessarily be happy So that's my five steps to being healthy and happy. Now, these five steps might change next year for me again. This is just what I know now and what I've learned and what I've accustomed to and educated myself and went to see people and counsellors and psychotherapists and all that malarkey. So within five steps, you could be working out. You can do step one and step two perfectly. You can be working out, you can be eating healthy and you're wondering how you're still not happy. If your relationships aren't right, if your sleep isn't right, that all contributes to you being he healthy and happy. So 
you just can't have one and have the other in shit. So you can be working out six times a week in the gym, but you could be feeling absolute fucking shit. You could be lonely. You could still not happy, although you're getting the temporary endorphins off the gym to keep you going. But deep down inside, you are not happy. So I would take a look at all these steps, figure out where you can clean things up in your diet, figure out what steps that you can work on. Again, Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm 20 years figuring this out. And it's only in the last two years that when I really took the time to look after myself and my feelings and how I was approaching relationships with friends and families and boyfriends and all that, that I'm piecing it all together now that it's not just eating healthy. Them By eating that salad once is not going to make me skinny by making them protein balls that I saw on Instagram or making a vegan fucking cheesecake double chocolate cheesecake by doing that once is not going to make me happy it's not going to make me healthy 100% I've learned that so I'm not wasting my money anymore on making absolute bollocksology foods that's classed as healthy but are full of calories I'm not making them anymore I'm sticking to the basics the basics of moving as much as I can. I love walking now. I love getting my steps in. And I'm doing my three little um, weight sessions a week myself. Um, cleaning up my diet where I can. I'm really concentrating on that now with the gut. Because I know it's connected to how I feel. I know when I eat certain foods, I don't feel well. And I'm avoiding them as much as I can. Um, sleep. I know I need to get my sleep. I know when I'm stressed that my sleep's going to be off. But I try again, step five, work on my breathing and bring it back to me. Um and that's it really if they're simple five steps they're simple to say they're not so simple to incorporate so take one little step at a time and start cleaning up each little step as time goes by you mightn't do it in a month you mightn't do it in six months it might take you a year it might take you two years everyone's at different stages and everyone's at different stages of being aware of themselves what they're capable of and what they're capable of doing and all that so This is how I have changed down through the last 20 years. So hopefully it might fast track it for ye. If your relationships are bad, I would start to be more aware of who's the common denominator in here in the fucked upness. If it's you, well, then you need to sort it out. It could be you in a combination of you and your partner. Could be you in a combination of loads of friends that you're just not all gelling together. Um... So again, take a look at everything and see where you can clean up. If you found this podcast interesting and if you think that it um, helped you and gave you some value or if it can help a friend or a family member, don't be afraid to share it. I know how to share it on Spotify because I do that all the time. You just go into the share podcast and you can put it up on your Instagram story, you can put it up on Facebook, anywhere you want, share it on WhatsApp. Um, Don't always be don't be afraid to always give me feedback some people say oh I wanted to text you definitely dm me let me know did you get value from this podcast and if it helped you um I'd only be delighted at the feedback or shut up Queenie you're talking too much if I don't get the feedback I won't be able to produce better podcasts for you guys so make sure you give me the feedback either shut up your podcasts are too long or yes I got value out of it um so thank you guys for listening uh, where you can find me is instagram at Karina duffy fitness you can find me on facebook at Karina duffy fitness or if you want to email me it's hello at Karina duffy fitness.com so it's k-o-r-i-n-a duffy d-u-f-f-y fitness.com give me if you want to subscribe to my email list where i'll be giving you free recipe books again all food that you don't have to be spending loads of money on um you can send me an email and i can put you on the subscribe list or you can pop onto instagram or facebook and give me a dm there as well so that's it guys i hope you enjoyed it and until the next podcast we'll see you then